look at it like I'm running a business. The business is not me and I don't need to do everything here. Someone finally convinced me to hire someone. So I did um, like 30 hours a week and and I doubled my revenue the next month because instead of spending one hour a day on legal work, I was able to spend two hours a day on legal work. It sounds so simple when you put it that way, looking back, I want to just like kick myself, right? Like what is, why was this so hard for you to learn? But I, I'm not judging here because I was that guy who just couldn't justify like, how am I going to pay this person? I don't have 20 grand in my bank account. Well, you're not hiring someone for a year. You just have to figure out how to pay them that week. That's it, you know, have a shorter, your shorter term look at it, but they're gonna free up so much time that you're gonna be able to, they're, they're gonna pay for themselves plus some. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity, really, and the, the privilege to talk with different entrepreneurs, business leaders, and just kind of hearing their short stories of challenges and successes. And today's interview, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one's going to be really interesting in my mind, because we've got uh, Brett Trimbley here with the Trimbley Law Firm, as well as Get Staffed Up. So this is kind of one of those stories of Brett saw a, a need in his own business kind of a thing, went and started a, a second business here that is really in a, a large industry of staffing, but still he managed to focus this and niche this down. So a lot of different areas will take this and be able to look at this here. So I'm really looking forward to this, but uh, without too much more there, Brett, welcome to the show and thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day for us. Jeff, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm glad we were able to connect, and um, it's always always nice to chat with with fun people. So I'm I'm excited. Yep, I always love the stories. So take us back a little bit and tell us a, a little bit of your background, a little bit of your story here, and how you got to obviously getting into a, your own law firm, and then feeling the the need or seeing the need for the the spinoff company here with with Get Staffed Up. Sure. So look, and and we should celebrate people when they have the. I guess, you know, they make the leap, right? Because it all starts with a decision um, to start a business. And I totally agree with having, you know, you know, there's like baby showers and, and grand openings and, and business parties and all, all that we should definitely support one another. Um, but there's really nothing groundbreaking about starting a law firm. I mean, I did it. I was in a new city. I didn't really know anyone. And, and we've been rather successful um, making the Inc. 5000 list. But it's really easy to start a law firm, you just need a laptop and of course the law degree, I guess, but. Well, it, I don't know how easy that one is, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you have that, pre well, if you, a lot of lawyers you meet, you'll see, you'll think it's easier than it seems. So, um, but, uh, but it's really the decision to grow a business, right. Or, or to get into one that's a little bit unique. So um, I always knew I would, I would run my own business, whatever it would be. Um, just kind of like had the entrepreneurial knack from an early age and and it's just something that I, I i was interested in so i started my own law firm at the end of 2011 and really struggled for a few years until i started hiring and delegating and i wasn't using that word delegate back then but it's exactly what it was i was getting things off my plate so i could focus on more 
important things that would actually drive revenue and help help me grow. Um, a lot of pain those first two years, Jeff, a lot of struggles. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't growing and I had always been successful at everything and it should be easier than this, but it's because I was doing everything myself. So fast forward to 2018, when my now business partner had the idea for this staffing company, um, he kind of wanted to like place people with, with virtual assistants. And I said, we could turn this into a real legitimate business. We'll be the employer. And then we'll basically lease out the full-time virtual assistants to the law firm. So they don't have to worry about all the overhead and the, the, the regulations and the taxes. And that's what we did. And it's especially fun for me just connecting my story because when I meet someone who was like me, who is struggling to grow, but now there's an option to hire someone, but for less than traditionally it costs to hire an employee. I mean, that that's there's so many entrepreneurs that struggle with that part, with hiring the first person because it seems so expensive and it's going to be so hard to train. It's going to take so much time. And what if it doesn't work out? So when they find out about us and the, the option of having a really amazing English-speaking phenomenal team member, which is what it is. This is not outsourcing. This is bringing someone into your team full-time only, but at the price point where we're at, you know, they, they say this, you know, I wish I would have known about this sooner, which is what I wish I would have known about sooner back in 2011, 12, and 13. So, you know, here we are with two very quickly growing businesses and it's been a lot of fun. Well, and that's that's really the key. A lot of times, that's kind of where the the entrepreneurial spirit there is. It's it's issues that we've experienced, and that's the ones where we can tie our story to it that typically gain the most traction there going forward. But um, and, and really to your your point there, and kind of hinted on it with the intro, it's it's one thing with the early stage business to sit there and wear all the hats, like we said. That's you you almost have to at that point. But the sooner you can start handing those off and finding other resources there, whether it's a pure outsource of go find a an outsourced accounting firm versus doing the the virtual assistant kind of a thing there. I've got virtual assistants myself, and I, I know the the tremendous value there of being able to say, okay, this is this is your piece. We're going to go hand this off is really the key to to growing and scaling a business at that point because you can't keep doing everything yourself forever. Yep, that's exactly right. And somebody said the other day, it's like, you know, I started a business and I was wearing sixty hats, and I said, finally, finally, somebody got the number right because what a lot of people say is i'm wearing multiple hats five hats and like we keep growing you know businesses and everyone i've got you know like get staffed up we have over 40 people on our team already internally and there's still a lot of people wearing multiple hats it's like when does it end you know when do you ever grow enough so everyone can do one thing and do it really well but when when it's just you running a business you're the marketer you're the salesperson you're the bookkeeper you're the cfo you're the analyst, you're the doer, the baker, the technician, whatever. I mean, you're just everything. And it's really tough. It, it really is. And I I talk a lot with uh, M&A type lawyers, people, and, and they look at it and say, okay, the, the business is, the owner's wanting to sell, the owner's wanting to get out of it. And he's still, or she's still wearing all those hats. It's like, there's no value in the business at that point because the vis- business is all you. So it's, it's yeah. even looking at your longer term strategy to say, hey, if you're going to exit or if you're going to hand this down or whatever, you can't have all of that expertise just be you at that point. So that's, that's just, just the ongoing critical nature of, okay, you've got to be able to scale this out to being more than just you there. If you ever want to have a bigger business other than just your own personal consulting practice. Right. And, and, and look, there's, I know a lot of very successful people that 
build a business, sell a business, and then go back to having a consulting practice. It's like, I made some money. I got some in the bank. So, you know, I'm going to have 10 clients that I consult with. I'm going to charge them two grand per month. So I'll, I'll make, you know, almost pure profit, $240,000 a year. That's my extra income and I'm fine. You know, that, that, that is, that's an okay model. But, but if you're, you know, if you want the credibility to be able to charge that kind of money first, I always think it's funny when there's a new guru that hasn't done anything themselves other than decide to be a guru. It's like, well, what credibility do they have? You know, not, not a lot. So. No, it is that. And that's, I almost feel like that's an unfortunate side effect of how technology driven we are and how much information driven we are that there's almost so much information out there now. It, it's pretty easy to go read a book or go take a course or whatever and call you that. But at the same time, it's, it's so much challenge of figuring out, okay, what information is the right one? How do I piece all this together? And that's, I run into a lot of business owners that are just information overload at that point. It's like, okay, I don't know which way to turn because there's so many options. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. So looking at, I actually want to back up a second. We, we talked about this briefly with the, the law firm model kind of a thing there. How do you look at your law firm or how did you, how did you get into the law firm sort of just being obviously the, the one person in the laptop to, to be able to grow that beyond that? Was it, did you always have a, a legal focus or was it looking at it from the business focus or what's, what's been different with your law firm there to, to grow and scale that out? That's such a great question. So I joined a coaching program before I could really afford the coaching program. Right. And again, this was somebody that had years and years of, of coaching law firms and, and helping lawyers tap into the entrepreneurial spirit and, and treat too many lawyers treat their their law firm like the hot dog stand in the corner instead of a real restaurant right because you can wheel your hot dog stand to the corner and you can sling your own hot dogs and you don't need a marketing person i mean if you want to grow and, and franchise for example of course you would but um you're just doing everything and you're going to make as much money as you can while you're on the corner selling hot dogs that day minus your cost of goods sold etc the way to actually grow a business and not have to, because what happens when you're on vacation, when it's just you, you're not making any money, you're not selling any hot dogs. So to actually grow a business, you have to start getting things off your plate and focusing on the highest and best use of your time. And one of, one of the people in the coaching program finally got through to me. He's like, you're, you're, you're gonna like crash and burn. You, you can't do everything yourself. Now, now Jeff, I was so scared of failure. I had to learn this about myself later through reading a lot of books and, and starting to re-tap into my, my business sort of like mind and entrepreneurial background. Lawyers are mostly good at a small area of the law, but they have no idea what it takes to run a business. So I had to look at it like I'm running a business. The business is not me and I don't need to do everything here. Someone finally convinced me to hire someone. So I did um, like 30 hours a week. And, and I doubled my revenue the next month because instead of spending one hour a day on legal work, I was able to spend two hours a day on legal work. It sounds so simple when you put it that way, looking back, I want to just like kick myself, right? Like what is, why was this so hard for you to learn? But I, I'm not judging here because I was that guy who just couldn't justify like, how am I going to pay this person? I don't have 20 grand in my bank account. Well, you're not hiring someone for a year. You just have to figure out how to pay them that week. That's it. You know, have a shorter, a shorter term look at it, but they're going to free up so much time that you're going to be able to, they're, they're going to pay for themselves plus some. So at this point, I will give myself credit. I will say, all right, well, this, this worked. You know, I was, I was 
doing revenue about 10 grand per month and I doubled the 20 and I'm like, okay, let's try this again. So hired the next person, the next person, then hired, you know, almost nine months later, an attorney and then a second one. And you constantly have the, okay, my overhead's growing. Do I have enough work? You know, there, there's other business methods for figuring out the right time to hire. And of course you can have bad hires and they cannot work out and nothing's easy running a business owner, nor should it be, nor is it guaranteed to be. It's like, you're not entitled to happiness. You're not entitled to great people that want to spend their lives working for you. You have to earn all those things. Um, and, and very often. So, um, that was, that was me, man. I, I really w- was struggling. And then I just turned it on and, and ended up spending money that I didn't have. And then just working hard. My new problem was how do I figure out how to make enough money to pay for these people so I can keep growing? Not how am I going to do my next billable hour? Right. So I just started to think like a business owner. And by the way, when you hire good people and get out of the way, then your product becomes better. You have a better tasting product than, than a lot of people use the excuse like, well, no one can do it as good as I can. And my name's going to be in everything that that's a, a very poor excuse and very naive excuse to say that you're, you're going to be the best at doing what you do. Cause you know, again, playing the numbers, 50% of attorneys are below average. And so, um, you know, we all, but we all think we're top 1%. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, even still beyond that, it's, you can still be the top 1% where your specialty is. If it's in the law field or whatever, yeah, actually being in the courtroom, probably you're not going to go hire an assistant to take your place in the courtroom kind of a thing there. But by freeing up, like you said, Hey, I can do by handing off the, the billables, by handing off some of this other administrative work, I can spend two hours in the courtroom instead of just one kind of a thing there. You can still be that expertise in your area without trying to be the yep. expert everywhere. And to me, that's that's where they struggle the most, people, is because I, I can handle accounting better than anybody else. But you're a lawyer, but you're a programmer. You, it doesn't matter. You, somebody else can do accounting. Pick pick your specialty, your focus, and, and focus right there. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's dead on, dead on. So how did that transition then from hiring on effectively hiring on full-time people, or at least mostly full-time at 30 hours transition into the the virtual staffing model? So um, look, I I can't take credit for the idea. Well, frankly, neither neither can my business partner because he didn't invent, you know, virtual staff by any means. um, We were very close. We had spent a lot of years reading the same books, doing monthly breakfast. We're part of the mastermind and, and, you know, we, we were just becoming very good friends. Um, he goes to lunch with somebody and, and I swear I didn't see him for two months at the end of 2017. He finds out about, you know, hiring some people out of the Philippines. And like two months later, he has five new employees, one from Mexico and four from the Philippines. And he's, and he's telling me, you know, the price points and, and it's not like he fired a bunch of people at his law firm. He just, you know, he added capacity. And I said, man, I need a marketing person. Can you find one for me? So he did. And then, you know, I ended up going to a conference and telling some other people what he was doing. And I made his first two sales for him. And we had breakfast in in late January, 2018. And he said, why don't we do this business together? And I said, you know, where do I sign on? Let's do it. And (laughs) we've really been off to the races ever since. I should mention that 95% of our people are out of Latin America and, and South Africa, not out of the Philippines. That's a huge differentiator for us. We're finding, and I haven't really talked about, you know, the, the, not not every virtual assistant is created equally, right? You can try to get a $3 an hour person out of like Bangladesh, for example, but just like anything in life, you get what you pay for. 
And we, we moved over to Latin America because we found the culture, the time difference and the English. And, and we, you can have client facing team members virtually instead of just order takers doing behind the scenes stuff. And that was a, a, a big, a big pivot for us. And man, I mean, somebody said the other day, we're taking the legal world by storm. We're, we're growing like gangbusters. And I mean, this business is, is scaling very, very quickly for a lot of those reasons. Yeah, that's, that's interesting you say that because I've, I've dealt with outsourcing more on the technology side, especially over into the Philippines and stuff like that. And it's always kind of, it, it's one of those, you, you get the, the players over there that are obviously outbidding each other from a dollar perspective there, but then it turns into a case of, okay, somebody else came along and offered them a dollar or two more and then they make the jump. So how have you seen that different with Latin America or, or set that up better so that it, this is a, it is a real person basically working for you and not somebody just, like I said, working for an extra dollar or two more there. And then the next legal, legal firm or something like that chases them away. How have you, how have you gotten the stability with them? Because we, we pay our, our employees and, and they're our employees. So, so you as a client, you pay us a flat fee every month all in and then we pay them and we take care of the bonuses, all the, all the quirky laws in the different countries we're in and the taxes, the withholding and the healthcare, all, all those things. And so, um, but we pay them more than, than other, you know, other people pay them. So yes, our price point itself for a staffing company I haven't done the comparison because we haven't needed to, because we haven't struggled making sales, but um, it's probably, you know, like a premium burger. We're not the McDonald's of the staffing world. We are, we're, uh, you know, like a five guys or, or, you know, like a, like a $10 burger, for example. So, um, you know, it's better quality meat, let's be honest. And, and so we have, we have not found it hard to create stickiness. All of our people are paid above the median average salary of where they live. So, and that's just the beginning, the entry level salary, you know, they get raises as we go on. So we're happy, they're happy. And, and, and we're obviously doing something right. And I want to mention too, this is not someone you email once per day, and then you have to wait 13 hours and then you get a response. Just like you and I are on Zoom, Every morning at 9 a.m., they're on Zoom with you. They're on your team meetings. They're on your team retreats. They're on, you know, your, 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 your meeting rhythms throughout the week. They're giving you scorecards at the end of the week. They're giving you end-of-day reports at the end of the day. You, treat, you should treat your virtual assistants like full-time team members, not like an outsourced person you barely want to deal with. That's how you're going to continue to grow a company culture, even when you have people from across the world. Because... Frankly, if you do it right, it shouldn't feel like you barely know these people. They should feel like as big a part of a team as everybody else. Yeah, and that, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's a lot more accepting these days, kind of a thing with the technology and all we've, we've done through, hopefully on the tail ends of this, this pandemic and everything with everybody working from home. But still, it's the same thing, like you said, is, okay, is the person you're sitting in Florida, do you have a partner over in California versus, okay, now your, your business partner, your employee just happens to be down in Latin America. So that, that makes a lot of sense there of, of building that culture and making sure they're included because really when they are on that outskirts like that, that's when you're going to run into problems with them not being part of your mission or part of your goal near as much. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. To totally agree there. So what's kind of been your, what, what's been, and obviously this is not the first time you've grown or built a business here with, with going through the law firm first, but what's, what kind of lessons learned have you taken from, from that into building this new firm and building it up as fast as you had? Honestly, we've been 
uh, I guess about three years, you said 2018 now and, and yeah. up to 40 some odd employees. So pretty fast growth rate right there. Yeah. Um, we, we have a very good operational system, which I give a lot of credit for. It's called Traction or EOS. And I know that Traction is now very popular among entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial circles. And it's, it simplifies the way that you run a business. It's like the book scaling up, but it's very simplified. Um, the, it's like, like a spinoff. Um, some of the guys who were involved in scaling up early on and that, that entire system, I just believe in wholeheartedly. I think it's really provide a lot of structure. I think it's a big competitive advantage for us that, that we were built that day from day one. Um, it has allowed us to, I mean, let, let's, let's say you're like, oh, I'm going to start a staffing company and you just happen to have 50 people, you know, how are you going to go fill those orders? You know, we spent our first six months not even making sales. We, we got five friends to sign on and we found them one person each very quickly. So we had a tiny bit of revenue. You're talking like 5,000 a month, just so we could hire two of our own virtual assistants, right? We weren't making any money the first six months. And we said, we're going to build out the infrastructure. So we, we got the software and we just spent six months just building out a machine that's going to be able to handle the kind of input that we wanted to scale. So we were building out the, the email newsletters and the marketing and, you know, the intake, et cetera, where now, Jeff, we were going to have 100,000 people from around the world apply to work with us this year. We're only going to place about 500. That's, that's less than 1%, obviously. So we yeah. are finding the best of the best. And that's another reason, you know, why we've been so successful. So um, but because we were hiring our own virtual assistants, we also did it for cheap. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of time invested on our part, but it was also inexpensive in terms of, of growing. So I tell people like, let's forget about growing a huge company. Let's just say you, you want to get started as an entrepreneur and you're going to do social media for whatever niche you want to find, right? I don't know. A lot of social media companies, they're charging like $1,200 a month for like 10 tweets and an email newsletter. It seems a little bit mind boggling to me. You can, for example, hire a full-time marketing assistant through us and have thousands of pieces of content all over, you know, every month for way, you know, about the same price. But nevertheless, right, you're starting a social media company. You've got good value add and, and you're going to go for it. So if you find your first three clients to pay you, let's just say two clients to pay you $1,500 a month, that's already 3000 you hire a virtual assistant, which our average price is $18.50 a month. You're already ahead. You train that person, let them do all the work. And then 100% of your time, let's say 95% of your time is adding new clients and yep. then maintaining the relationship with the other clients, making sure they're happy. So if you like, you're already profitable and you're not doing the work, you're just growing the business from day one. That's the way that I look at business. I get into business to not have the business own you because I mean, that's such a sad, hard, frustrating part about being an entrepreneur when you can't even take a vacation because you don't know, you know, how are you going to survive if you go, if you leave for a week and work doesn't get done and, and money doesn't come in. It's a, you know, I went through that. I went through it and it was stressful. I had a lot of very stressful vacations that I just, I had to do with, with the family early on and it's just not fun. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not. But yeah, I, I get the model and get the idea there. So I'm curious how you 
was it was it was traction at EOS something you did in the the law firm or how did you come about that where did you get introduced to that and how that how that yeah. connection happened yeah so um I learned about traction I tried to self-implement for a year like most things when you self-implement you know I'm huge on hiring experts um and coaches the right ones right credible ones yeah. people that are good um so I hired an EOS implementer and he's been with us ever since. You're supposed to graduate, but we don't want to. We, we really like, you know, having him around. So with everything we learned or that I learned from Traction, you know, doing it the law firm, I was able to implement it with the staffing company. And it's it's been awesome. Yeah, no, it's I've, I've got experience with that one as well as a number of other systems kind of a thing. But it's always hearing interesting hearing how people get into that, onboarded with that kind of a thing there. But it really does. It goes back and builds that foundation under the business, like you're talking about. I, I, I picked up and kind of assumed you were probably leaning that way early on just from some of the buzzwords. But yeah, putting in the, the foundation there, putting in the core values, making sure you've got a, a defined mission, making sure you've got the roles and responsibilities to hand off kind of a thing. There's just so many components there that yeah. really, I, I guess I look at it with a lot of people to say, okay, why do you look at, for example, a, a McDonald's franchise out there and you really can't say, when was the last time you ever saw McDonald's go out of business versus you look at the entrepreneur side and we know the failure rates. Everybody knows the failure rates and it's like barely 1% kind of success there on it. And it's like, what's the difference? And the reality is when you buy, if you, if you can drop in your million plus dollars into a McDonald's franchise to go buy it, the first thing they do is go teach you their playbook. They send you to Hamburger University and say, okay, here's the entire playbook start to finish on how to run your McDonald's. And we don't have that from the entrepreneurial side. So it's, right. it's question is, okay, how do you go build the, the Trembley Law Firm playbook or the Get Staffed Up playbook? And having, like you said, those outside resources or those outside systems in place really helps move that along because it's without that playbook, you just simply can't, you can't reliably grow. You, you can, I've talked with a lot of companies that almost grow kind of in spite of themselves, that they're successful in spite of themselves, but it's like, okay, the same number of people, the same number of resources, you could have a, I've seen companies 10 times their revenue top line just by saying, hey, we're actually going to get systems in place. We're going to get more efficient at what we're doing. And, and a lot of things, like I say, with the staffing and stuff like that, if you can hand off some of those hats, if you can do some of that, you can scale out so much easier. Exactly what you're talking about there saying, okay, I can get so much more done here. Focus on the client development or focus on whatever my passion is there. Have fun in business again without having to deal with the drudgery of the, the administrative side or what, whatever just doesn't fit your, 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 your expertise. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you made that point. If you buy into a franchise, the idea is, and by the way, we have clients that own McDonald's, you know, we do a lot of franchise work as well. The idea is it's going to save you seven years of your life because the system's already there. It's already been created. You're not reinventing the wheel. So yeah. when you start your own business from scratch, you're essentially creating a new like like designing engineering a new car a new engine and how everything can fit together and that just takes time so having a, an entrepreneurial system that you adopt from day one is a, a huge huge advantage and time saver but what's interesting about traction is they say you know it's really only effective if you're two million and above maybe 1.5 in terms of revenue right or else like there's a lot of things that don't work Maybe it wouldn't have worked for us if I didn't already know the system, but um, there are a lot of resources out there to help businesses learn how to, again, you're still kind of always going to be creating a new wheel to some extent when you create your own business, but there are 
there there's infrastructure in place to help move you along more quickly. Yeah, and it's I, I agree with what you're saying about building the new wheel, but at the same time, I still run into so many businesses that are rebuilding the wheel every year within their business kind of a thing there. It's like it's at the, at the, the enterprise corporate level, you can afford to ha- hire somebody on and say, sit next to this person, shadow them, learn from them for the next three months, and we won't expect anything out of you. From an entrepreneurial kind of business size, your law firm, you, you couldn't hire on a, a paralegal and say, yeah, just, just sit here and learn for the next three or four months. We're, we're not going to actually get any good return or any, any billable return or anything for you. You just can't do that. Yeah, that's what they they keep doing. Whereas if you already had that playbook to say, okay, paralegal number two, here's our playbook of what your role is, what your responsibility is. This is how we do things. They can be up to speed in in days right there rather than months. Yep, that's exactly right. It's it's always fun seeing that. But so looking at at longer term, bigger picture kind of a thing here with with get staffed up. What's what's the what's the longer term vision or longer term goal? Since I, I know you've probably got one there knowing where you're coming yeah. from well we yeah we we've got our 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 10 year uh like vision plan but i think we're gonna hit it in like six so that's that's kind of cool um even though at the time we thought it was really ambitious but even bigger than that we're gonna be doing you know creating our own um like teaching academies so because what we do right now is we find educated great english speaking amazing people but it's raw talent, right? And so it's on you because every biz- business is different. As you said, we can't train someone from your business. We don't know what you need in your business. So we're giving you somebody who you're going to train and, and should be a great employee. But we're going to start implementing and creating you know, universities ourselves so that we're putting people through training programs and we're able to place them even more quickly with some additional skills. Um, and on the paralegal side of things, we're also going to figure out hopefully someday how to solve the paralegal conundrum. What, you know, when we do that, that's when we'll have the private jets. I mean, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I just say that in terms of like the impact because paralegal is the hardest position to, to find and place and keep at a law firm. And it's just such a hard person to find. And, and a lot of paralegals are so smart they go on to be lawyers or they work at the big firms and they make 100 grand a year themselves so for for small and mid-sized law firms it's such a tough position so when we figure out that how to do that virtually and do it well it's it's a different ball game and and you know again someday we may also expand and we've had a lot of people approach us about you know do the same thing in in other verticals or or open up not just for lawyers again we have a lot of non-law firm clients because it's, it's the same type of position for most service-based businesses, but niches being riches. And so, and so being the leader at this point in the legal field in terms of virtual staffing has paid dividends and saying no to a lot of things that have come our way has also really helped our growth. It's very important to not chase shiny objects and take that left turn at Albuquerque, as they say, and get off track and, and make sure that you, you remain focused. Yeah, because it's uh, and and there may be others. I hadn't necessarily done the research, but it's saying yeah, virtual staffing, but specifically to legal, because I can see, yeah, there's there's always aspects to each industry that's a little bit different. I can see some target focus and, and be able to specialize right there on the legal side, really setting you apart. Because again, I, I, that's not my field, that's not my area of expertise. But to me, that wouldn't be an area that I would have assumed would be real big on the virtual staffing at this point. It would be more of the traditional kind of industry that's focused on internal employees and such like that. 
Well, there, there, there was a huge education component, right? If you watch Shark Tank, it's like, well, I like your business, but it's going to take me $10 million in two years to educate the public on why they need this. So for our first two years, it was a lot of, yes, you can do virtual. Yes, it's okay. And, and the sales conversations were slower, longer sales cycles. So look, for better or worse, it was a horrible thing, but we were a beneficiary a lot. You know, Zoom was a beneficiary. A lot of, you know, I guess Charmin, if you're talking about toilet paper, was a beneficiary of the coronavirus, right? Um, and, and certainly virtual, like the remote economy is here to stay. The coronavirus pushed that type of, of work scenario ahead by a decade in, in, in our estimation. So now we no longer have to say, this is how you work with someone remotely. This is what it's like, because you were forced to do that with your own Everybody people. Everybody has, yeah. Even if they were in a home next to you, for example, which probably doesn't happen, but you know, you had an employee that lives next door to you. You're not going to see them because they're in their home office, and it, it's like they might as well be somewhere else in the world. So that really pushes forward, so that we could say, here are the benefits of hiring someone virtually through us to save money. When we no longer had to do the education component, we could just differentiate, differentiate ourselves with the best virtual staff people anywhere, essentially. So yeah, I, look, I gotta, I gotta say that we were already doing pretty well before, but you know, sometimes, sometimes timing is about luck too. There's definitely is that, but it's also you've got to be positioned and situated to take advantage because reality is that I always tell clients like things are gonna happen in business, whether it's a global pandemic or whether it's just a a shift in your local market or a key employee leaving, whatever it's, it's business is going to change right there. So it's question as to how, how well foundation, how well your foundation's built to be able to reach that and react to that. So it sounds like you guys were, were well positioned and yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think the, the virtual marketplace is going away anytime soon. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how far we slide back, but I think there's going to be a place for it for sure. Cause a, a lot of people, like you said, were, and I, I suspect again, legal industry is a little bit more traditional there, but it's like you, they were forced into it. You didn't, you didn't have a choice now. You had to go virtual, and it opened yep. up a lot of eyes to say, "Hey, virtual actually does work." I've talked with a number of businesses here in Dallas that are asking, "Why are we spending a million dollars on on downtown office space?" Kind of a thing when we just proved for the last six months that it works just fine virtual. Maybe we'll have a have a much smaller presence, but still, why do we need to be dropping that much overhead when this can work? It's definitely not going away. Definitely yeah. So yeah, fun conversation with it. And I, I want to make sure I respect your time here, but I always like kind of coming back at the end and we may have already talked about it already, but kind of asking the question is, okay, if you were to look back three years, five years, whatever it might be and say, hey, what was the one, two something things there? If I had just tried this earlier or done this earlier, things might've been a little bit easier, a little bit more more effective, more cost efficient here to, to get to where we are today. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but sometimes you need to, you got to say things 10 times before people you listen to it. Right. And our, our trademark phrase here is delegate your way to freedom. The, the only way that I've, unless, okay, there's a few ways, you know, be an heir to fortune, right. Have rich parents. That's not usually an option or anything we can control. Um, you know, get lucky, win the lottery or, realize that your time is, is more valuable than money. And if you're ever going to get to the point where you can have the type of freedom to basically decide what you want to do next every day, like, and I don't, I don't mean, 
you're not working hard. I just mean you're, you're creating the option for yourself to take the time to decide what's next in my business. Do I want to sell? Do I want to grow? What's next in my life, my family? Because when you're not working, your business is still working, right? The car is still running and, and people are getting places. You're just not the one driving anymore. You have to delegate and you have to, you know, delegation for some reason, to some people, the dirty word. I have no idea why you're creating opportunities for other people who will eventually want to do what you're doing someday, but they're just younger, less experienced. You're, you're giving them jobs. It could be bookkeeping, it could be answering phones. Just stop doing the things that are taking up all your time, delegate those things, and then rinse and repeat and figure out ways to continually grow as a person, which will help you then grow your business. Yeah. Uh, and I, I identify real well with that as well. It was, that was a struggle early on for sure. It was saying, okay, again, I, I can do this best, or I know how to do this all and be able to hand that off. But yeah, that's to me, that's, it's been a recurring theme for, for guests that we've talked to. And it's just, it's, it's the only way to me to really grow at that point. You, you cannot, otherwise you're going to be the consultant forever at that point. You just, yep. you gotta, gotta have me all hand that off and be able to hand it off well. And that's kind of the other challenge is that a lot of times people will hand it off but then yeah, I want to keep pulling that hat back of uh, I would have done this a little bit differently or with that. And, and having that, that true handoff and that true delegation, that true process there is, is really the key at that point. But no, I'm not surprised you came back to that, but still, no, it's like you said, it's worth repeating because so many people fight with it, especially on the entrepreneurial side so long. Well, and, 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 and I, I was the one who would fight with it and I would fight with it because I was, Deep down, I didn't realize my own issue was I was afraid of failure because I was afraid what other people would say. I didn't want to hire someone and then have to fire them because I didn't have the money because I thought everybody would say, oh, what a loser. People are too busy, worried about their own lives to talk about you so much. It's a very narcissistic way of looking at things. And I, I had to, that was a big, you know, shot. Like I had to realize I'm, I'm essentially just like my ego is getting in the way because I'm I'm thinking if I'm doing everything myself, it's a source of pride, but it's not. Um, I had I had to get over that. And it took a lot of reading books and opening my mind and readopting more of the, the business approach. And so I want to just be clear, this is not from a judgmental standpoint. So many of us, because of our relationship with money, fail to be honest with ourselves about why we're not willing to take a chance. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it goes back to, I can do it all myself. I, I'm the best one here. It's like, well, like you said, you probably not. I forget what the old uh, saying or whatever is. If, if you're the, the smartest one in the room, then you're probably not in the, the right room kind of a thing there. You need to go find another room. Yeah. My, my, my joke to that is I always get up and leave the room when somebody says that, you know, it's kind yep. of, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Jeff, thank you so much for, for having me. I really enjoyed being on with you today. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. So if people want to go learn more about the Get, get Staffed Up or, or your law firm, either one, where's the, where's the best way for them to go find you? Yeah, so the law firm is tremblylaw.com. Um, get Staffed Up is just same thing, getstaffedup.com. And for anyone that's listening today, Jeff, any of your listeners, if you go to getstaffedup.com forward slash VIP, it's like name, number, email, and how you heard about us. If they mention your name or or built to scale uh, podcast, then they'll get a, a discount off of their startup fee. So that's always a, a nice thing we try to do for, for podcast listeners. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I, 
I know a lot of people already that I want to send this conversation to. It's like yet another uh, reminder. Hey, hey, start <laughs> listen to this kind of a thing there. So I definitely appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And like I said, I, I I know a lot of people that need to hear this. So definitely appreciate the time. I know you're know you're busy like any other entrepreneurial kind of business leader. There's always things going on, but I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I really had a good time. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com. 